Welcome to the Divine Self Secret Garden Podcast. On today's episode, Chaplain Roger Butts, and I am your host, Megan Corcoran. Garden Podcast. I'm so happy to be back. I took a little bit of time off to see some friends and just take a moment. I think now that things are opening up um, and uh, we have all been able to leave our homes from COVID, it's been nice to get out and mingle. So I just took a little bit of a break from the podcast and my YouTube channel, but I am back and ready to give you some great episodes that I have just finished recording. So I'm super excited for the coming weeks. And this episode today, I have a chaplain from Colorado Springs, Roger Butts, joining me to talk about trauma and really overcoming trauma, but also looking at it from a spiritual standpoint. Although uh, Roger works um, in a Catholic hospital, you know, he brings a very spiritual look on um trauma and recovery and even how to support victims of of trauma Um, and I think it's just a really beautiful episode so welcome to the secret garden today Roger all right welcome to the secret garden Roger how are you today I am doing really well it's a beautiful day in Colorado it's like 70 degrees and perfect in Colorado so I'm I'm great you're lucky. Uh, it's 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 like 92 and humid out here in Alexandria. And I just moved from San Diego and I forgot what humidity is like. <laughs> it's such a drag. It is. I was I was walking. I was like, whew, it's a little little warm out there. Yeah. Well, it's really good to be with you. I'm honored to be with you and delighted to be with you this morning. And um, Yeah. So tell my listeners a, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, in Colorado Springs, I am a hospital chaplain. So I work at a a 500-bed hospital in Colorado Springs that has two campuses. And um, I've been a hospital chaplain for seven years now. And I've been ordained as a Unitarian Universalist minister for 20 years or so. Um, I went to school at Wesley Theological Seminary on the campus of American University in Washington, D.C. So I know your your neck of the woods very well. And um, nice. Yeah. And my wife is a minister um, as well. She's in the United Church of Christ, a Congregationalist. Um, And we we met her papa owned um, Stage Door Deli right down the street from you. So. Um, I love that place. The food there is really good. And it's just nice, good, greasy. I love the grilled ham and cheese sandwiches there. <laughs> down home. And, yep. um, and um, I, I also, uh, I've just written my first book um, called Seeds of Devotion. Um, and I have a black lab and a couple of kids. Three That's kids. great. I have a dog named Liza Minnelli, who I think you just heard bark. So I've got two Shih Tzus and uh, yeah, she's she's very headstrong and has a very strong personality, but I guess that's what I get for naming her Liza Minnelli. 
Oh my God, that is so great. I hope she just acts like a queen all day long. All day long, super diva and just runs the house, tells me what to do and I love it. Oh my gosh, that's the best dog name ever. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I just looked at it, I was like, yep, this is the perfect name. But um, I am excited to have you on. I I can was we, excited but, about... Before we go on, can we just pipe in here when you edit, can we just pipe in some Liza Minnelli singing something grand? Sure, be like, I, I would love that. <laughs> go ahead. Like go all ahead. that jazz. Like, yes. yeah. I, um, so yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I, um, I know that you are in the hospital and you see a lot of trauma. And I, you know, all of my listeners, yeah. I would say, are experiencing some form of trauma. They're either still in toxic relationships or trying to break free of one or have left and are it really in their trauma or have left the relationship but still struggle with what happened in their toxic relationships. And I find that the root of it is, I mean, some of these people are very extremely traumatized. I would say everybody has, you know, PTSD or complex PTSD, which is prolonged, repeated trauma over and over again. And they really, really struggle with um, finding their way out of their trauma. And I think even live in their victim stories after for, you know, some of them for the rest of their lives, which is not ideal for anybody because, you know, that can mentally, emotionally, and physically just do a number on you. Oh, it's, I mean, it's exhausting. It's disorienting. And, um, you know, I, I would think the, the, the hardest part I would think would be um, reconnecting and finding the trust to reconnect with other people, finding the, the right kind of other people to connect with. Um, I would think that would be one of the most important components, but also the most difficult is that what you is that what you think? I mean, I can't. Yes, I and I and I also find that when you're in toxic relationships, you know, part of the abuse cycle is about devaluing and making you feel little and smaller wow. and smaller and smaller in your life. So you even lose connection with yourself. And most people that I talk to that are still in the toxic relationship or trying to break free, they're so focused on the abuser. And not on themselves, right? And they're they're trying to analyze the abuser. They're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out how they can change it. They can try to. And and my whole goal is to say, hey, what's happening to you isn't right. Um, this sounds yes. scary. I'm worried for you. Um, I know that I told you right before we started recording. I used to volunteer in the hospital, and you know, my whole job was to go in and, and hold the space, but also start to be kind of a little bit of a mirror and say, you know, I was, I would be one of the first people to ever use the word domestic violence. And they'd be like, Oh no, it's not domestic violence. He, you know, he just hit me. That's not domestic violence. Or he was just verbally and emotionally abusive to me. That's not domestic violence. I'm like, well, actually I was called out of my bed and volunteered here for domestic violence. So, and it actually is domestic violence, you know, and, and I think it's, it's helping them come to the realization that what's happening to them is not, is not okay. It's not, it's not normal. It's not okay. There's no justification for it. It's, there's no reason for it. And, and, and there's no explain, you know, there's no explaining it away. There's no justifying it. There's it's, it's, 
it's just not right. And um, I'm, I, I love that work that you do. The trauma I see is a little different. It's more um, car accidents and unexpected deaths and, and so on. Um, but I would like, Megan, to, to read you um, one of the reflections. It's short from my book okay. about that idea of holding space and creating space and not centering yourself in that space, but letting the other person be wherever they are and, and honoring their presence. Um, I would love that. Would that be okay? This is after uh, a reflection I wrote called, thank you God for everything. I went up, I was called on a Friday night at 7.30 from my office to go to the fourth floor. And the nurse said, there's this woman, she's old and she is um, frail and disoriented and confused. And um, she's gonna go to hospice tomorrow. And her, and her family wasn't there. They were, they were at home getting some rest. And, um, and as I walk in, he said, now Roger, she's in there just saying the Lord's prayer over and over again. And I, I said, okay, I know that, you know? So I walk in and sure enough, she's in there. She's just not, she's almost not awake, but she's saying our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, um, and I was like, I know that, I know that prayer. I held her hand and we said it together. And then at the, as she was coming to the end, she says, um, she, she kind of wakes up a little bit, notices me. And she says, oh, well, I seem to have forgotten the, the ending, but thank you, God, for everything. It was, no, I was like, ah. I know. <laughs> yeah. I my eyes out, you know, it's like, oh, what a great ending to any prayer. Thank you, yes. God, for everything. Thank you for um, everything. Here, here, here we go. First, walk gently. You're entering into the great mystery. Sorrow, regret, anger, grief, relief. You never know what you'll find. You may as well walk gently into that room, which will likely be dark and quiet. Second, talk gently. The dead dream and the survivors do too. They're in a fog or out to sea or in the deep woods. Pick your image, but talk gently. That mystery will one day be you and yours. Third, act gently. Your gentleness will invite whatever needs to happen to happen. If at all possible, make it so the wife, husband, mother, child hardly knows you're there. Listen gently. Listen with your eyes and your ears and mostly your heart. The stories will come. Be there to hear them. Stories remind the wife that she is still alive and is alone and not alone all at once. Be the spirit or Jesus or Muhammad or the Buddha. Pick your guide and be that person. Mary, Dorothy Day, Thomas Merton, it matters not. Of course, you are the best option. So be you in all of your quirky, unexpected, beautiful, flawed, perfect, essence. Amen. Oh, amen. That was beautiful. And it's so, um, it's so, you know, I, I love that we're talking about how to support yes. uh, someone in trauma, right? I find that 
as I was a volunteer, we had to go through a long course to be certified to do this and to show up in the ER. Obviously, there's a lot of medical things and things that we see, but also how, you know, you can't just throw somebody in in the midst of trauma and not re-traumatize them. And I became right. a mentor for eight years and, and, and also helped people go through their certification. And we do a lot of role playing and the role playing is really about holding space and yeah. not putting yourself into the story. No, it's not, your, your story is not quite as important in that, in that moment. And when we get anxious as caregivers, right. As supportive people, um, the, the most important thing, I don't know most important, but a really crucial important thing for a chaplain or a caregiver is um, to know what's going to trigger you and to know how you're going to be triggered or potentially triggered in a particular scenario so that you can um, respond appropriately and not react, you know. And the idea is that if you... Um, if, if, if you get anxious and start wanting to tell your story, oh, you know, same thing happened to me last week, you know, you've derailed the process a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, centering yourself is just a bad idea. Now that doesn't mean that you can't tap into loss that you've experienced to, to feel that connection with the other, to empathize with the other. But um, they're not there to hear your story that seems similar to you. That's not what we're about, right? So right. <clears throat> it's really important for chaplains to know themselves, to really know what um, what we bring to the table, the good and the, the, the not so good. And I find that when you do try to put yourself in the story, it, you're right, it derails the process because a lot of times people need to work through their trauma and they're afraid to do it. And if you start, they will focus on your trauma more than theirs and they'll turn oh into God. the caregiver. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. You gave them an exit ramp and they're sure enough going to take it because it's too yep. painful to stay on the highway. And, um, and, and if you give them a, a doorway, they're going to be like, Oh heck yeah, let's go. Let's talk about I, your shit for a second yes. instead of mine. <laughs> Well, then they want your suggestion too. And like everybody's journey through this is different. And, and the way, and, and when I would train other advocates, um, I would say, listen, you know, you're going to walk in there and some of them are going to be crying. Sometimes they laugh. I actually think I've seen laughter more than I've seen tears. It's a, right. they're uncomfortable in there. And the only way they know to process what's happening is through laughter or joking. Yeah. Sometimes they're really angry. Sometimes they're oh. shut down completely and you can't get one word out of them. Yeah, you know, but gone. then that means you just sit there and hold the space and say, listen, I'm going to sit right outside of the door. If you need me, I will be here. I'll be here this whole time. And when you're ready, you know, come, come get me. And if not, then just know that I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm here for you. And that's sometimes right. I would sit there and read a book for eight hours and just not even engage with them if that's, but they knew that I was there and they always said, thank you. At the end of it, I was like, wow, you came out of bed and sat there. And I thought, yep, that's just what they needed. They just needed to know that I was there to protect them and to sit there and that I was there when they were ready. You know, I, I get people who tell me all the time, like, I don't know if I have anybody that will really listen to me. You know, yes. I, people are so disconnected. Um, and so I, I want to circle back around to something you said earlier, um, Megan, and that is um, that sometimes even we're disconnected from our own self. Um, mm -hmm. you know, our divine true self or whatever. 
and um, of course, trauma will do that, and lots of other things will do that too. But um, I want to mention that the book that I've written, because um, I'm no trauma expert, you know, I, I deal with it. But I I I um I think where where I can really add to your conversation and your readers' conversation is this book, Seeds of Devotion, that I've written. My first book, I've been in anthologies and stuff, but I've never been in my own book. I wanted to just um, tell you a little bit about why I wrote this book. And it's really about helping people reconnect with their true self. Um, so can I just share with you a little something of about course. why I wrote this book? Yes, absolutely. Seeds of Devotion. And, um, you know, I, I, I shared with you that... Um, it comes from a Rumi quote. Rumi was a Sufi mystic, 14th century, something like that. With every breath, I plant the seeds of devotion. I am a farmer of the heart. Rumi said that. So I took seeds of devotion as the title. It's great. Your life is dripping with the divine presence. The world is dripping with the divine presence. No matter how dire the situation or joyous the occasion, we're invited into the awareness of that beloved presence. There are different things needed to get there. Humility and self-awareness, St. Teresa of Avila. Walking the dog for an hour and a half, which is what my wife does. Yoga, centering prayer. Silence is crucial. Naming your experience and a prayerful orientation. And asking the right questions to a light your imagination and compassion. Um, all the stories are an attempt to inflame your heart, to quiet your mind and help you enter the great mystery, the great mystery of your true self, your divine self, that, mo that little point where you and the holy or the divine are one. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I wrote this book. And I just wanted to share with you that is the thing that I really wanted to um, attempt with this book was to help people see that they are loved, that they are the beloved, um, that they are precious and worthy. And, um, you know, uh, despite all of our flaws, despite all of our messiness, that... Um, we are held in this story of grace and love, no matter what religion, no matter what spirituality, if you have none at all, that um, each human person and all the critters are held in this narrative of love. I love that. It's so true. I believe, you know, this journey is, is about finding the divine connection within you and that, you know, we call in these abusers to help us see that we have lost the connection, you know, and, and I've taken this spiritual journey myself. This is why, I, you know, I wasn't just a volunteer, but I'm also, um, you know, a survivor. And I, I found that this has became a very spiritual journey and it was about my connection with myself and finding my spirituality and, and really my self love and self worth. And it was a very tedious process. 
<laughs> it still is a tedious process. And I think, but it's always ongoing, but I've connected, right? I know it's there where yeah. I think it was very disconnected and, and, you know, I can go on about the cycles of abuse and that that's patterns and that I've always been in that pattern and never even realized that I had lost that connection or never really had that connection. And that this happened in my life for me to find that connection with myself. And then once that happens, you get to take your power back and you start to feel empowered and you get to live a very, very different life that you never even dreamed or could imagine what that even feels or looks like. That's right. God bless you. Good for you. I love it. I love it. Thank um, and you. It, is, it is tedious. It is painful. It is like, um, when I was going through hospital chaplaincy training, it's a year long process. And um, there were so many times I wanted to hide under the table, you know, like, you know, when we were doing our, our work around our own frailty and our own messiness, like uh, you can just, uh, excuse me, I'll just be under the table for the rest of the day, you know, carry on people talk about your stuff. You know, there are seven people all doing their work, but I would be like, I want to get out of here. Get me out of here. Cause it's painful to look at that stuff, but so painful liberating at the same time. Yes. Yes. It's you're exhausted at the end of it. You're like, whew, that was hard work, but you're like, all right, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. That's you know, all. I was, I was just thinking, I know you probably see a lot of people that are losing loved ones right? And that that's going to change them forever, forever, or people that are about to, to pass. And I find that this journey is, is a form of death and rebirth. Oh, yes. what, um, what do you say to people that are, are losing loved ones who have to make some drastic changes in life because they're about to lose a loved one? Well, I just, as you said, I, I first hold space. And, um, and what I say is, if, let's say somebody says to me, like someone did the other day, 45 years, 45 years we were married. Like, what am I supposed to do now? What is it going to be like going home to an empty place? And if I, if I want to feel um, superior to them in that moment, I'll be like, now, now, you know, or like, yeah, that sounds hard, right? But that puts me in a position of like, I'm perfect and you're screwed and look, look how good my life is. And that's not very connective, right? The connective mm -hmm. tissues are a little frayed there. Um, but if I want to connect, if I want to be in kind of an empathic relationship with this person, I'm not going through what she's going through, but I've experienced loss and grief. I can tap into that and say, Man, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think it's going to be like? What do you think it's going to feel like? And that way she's invited in to that spaciousness where she can at least begin to give voice to um, some of the things that might be possible. You know, yeah. I, th I think my neighbor, she'll say, I think my neighbor is um, probably going to make me key lime pie because they love key lime pie and they love making key lime pie. 
and my neighbor will try to support me in that way and bring me over some key lime pie and I'll, I'll probably fix them some coffee, you know? And that begins the process of letting them imagine some of the resources that they have in their life that will help move them to the next spot, which is yeah. And that's amazing that you say that because when in that moment, it is something just as simple as you're right. My neighbors, my neighbor will bring key lime pie and we'll sit and have coffee. And, and, and that's really all they can kind of comprehend at that very moment. That's enough, right? That's <laughs> yeah. enough. That's good. I mean, key lime it's, so, it's such a far stretch to be like, Oh, you know, I got all this and I'm going to be alone and I have all these things to do and I'm going to pay bills by my, that's just, you know, but um, I find that is very, very similar when, in the ER and people are contemplating leaving after they've been in relationships for 20, 30 years. Right. And they can't do it anymore or it's become life-threatening. And it's the same thing when, you know, we call it safety planning, but we go in and just be like, well, what would that look like? What would that, what would that feel like yeah. if, if, if you did decide to take that step tonight and, and, you know, and what, yeah. um, it's, you know, and have them start to see what, where they do have support and they do have love and what options they have. And, and, um, and what that really feels like, right. They, and I, and it's good for them to do it in a safe space with, with you and, um, start to let you again, hold that space for them so they can begin to explore that very scary space. Exactly. It's important work. It's, 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 um, it's really life giving work and for caregivers, it's, um, important to engage in self-care um, for those in a, in a toxic relationship. It's important to engage in self-care. I mean, at the end of the day, this book is about self-care and um, it, it's important for the chaplain. It's important for the caregiver as you are um, with that sexual trauma. Um, it's important for those who are in it and um and I have to believe that if the abusers would get in touch with their true self, that they would turn away from violence, you know, that they would turn to, to peace. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's why, that's why we do the work. Right. And um, I'd like to, I'd like to share another piece with you. Would that be okay? About Of course. I like it. Yeah about the self-care business. Mm -hmm. So what I do is centering prayer and centering prayer is um, from the, um, it comes out of the Catholic tradition and it is like, sit your ass down for 20 minutes and don't do anything. Yeah. And let God do, do. let God do yep. what God's going to do inside of you. And um, so This little reflection is after a story about Thomas Merton, who was a Catholic monk, and he, he lived in a monastery in Kentucky, and every once in a while he'd leave. And um, one time he was in Louisville, and he was seeing all these people in this busy, busy intersection. And he was like, I wish, I wish, I wish I could stop each one of them. And tell them they are beautiful and that they shine bright. They shine bright as the sun. Um, 
and he realized he loved all these people that he was they were they he had this epiphany of unity of being at one with all of creation so after that story i say this you are loved go to the altar of your life in the place known only to you and your god go there like it is a monastic cell the kind the desert fathers insisted was all you need to learn everything you need to learn. Go there and just be quiet for long enough to hear something. Maybe at first the something you hear will be nonsense or nothing much to write home about, but soon the message will come. Clear as a waterfall, clear as the morning sun. You are loved. You are worthy. You are precious. You are enough. You are the beloved and the beautiful, and you are enough. Go, be quiet, and know. Oh, that's so good. I um, Self-care is critical in trauma. Critical. It's the beginning stage of of the healing and, and mending, you know, just the complete broken heart or brokenness that has happened. Right. And, um, and, and I think that we, we get so far from just self love and, and that we are good enough and we are right now, right today, standing here, just as you are, it is enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're stronger than, you know, um, yes. So, so I just really want to bless your work. I just really want to bless your approach to the world and and say that you're doing beautiful, beautiful things in the world. You've got great Thank glasses you. too. Your glasses Thank are you. I, I just got new ones. I'm like, I wasn't sure. I, you know, when you wear a mask and try on glasses, you're not sure if they're too big for your face. And then I was like, man, was this, did I pick out ones that are too big? <laughs> oh, they're great. And, yeah, uh, I was like, it's great. You know, one of the things that I do for self care is tennis. I play tennis all the time, um, not all the time, but um, I uh, I really like tennis because for me, I've got a little bit of ADD, you know, a little bit of spasticness, and um, it's just a perfect game for me. Um, and I and I'm an old man, so I can still play it. Um, I also love going to like art art galleries and you know in dc obviously you have a ton that are free um Mm -hmm. but going to art museums art galleries um listening to music there's something about music like i say all the time music is my church and like music is my church when i when i listen to music it's just so beyond anything that is explainable um it's about vibration and just, yes, music for me as well. I love going to theater and musicals and listening to music. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I find that journaling is, is my kind of go-to. But I think about, you know, and I think also about when I, uh, when I used to volunteer, I was trying to think, what did I, I used to leave the ER and there was always a deli that was open down the street and had the best carrot cake. And I thought if I had a really hard case, I'd be like, you know, and I would sit there in silence for, I would make myself sit in silence for an hour and have a cup of coffee and eat carrot cake and just kind of reflect because I didn't want to take it home with me. Because once I take 
what I've just seen home, it tends to consume me. And so, you know, you get good at not taking, oh, yeah. taking it home with you. But, um, but then yeah. I always laugh because that became my little self-care thing after I would leave the ER and getting myself out of bed and getting ready to go to work because I would go home and go straight to work the next day. But, um, yeah. you know, and it's, it's about finding what works for you. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And you've got to get rid of it. Somehow you do have to go and eat the carrot cake or something to, to release that because you can't, you know, it's not your job to hold that stuff that is, that belongs to somebody else. So I have a, um, I have a friend who is um, a chaplain and she's been a chaplain a long time and she's very good at what she does. And, um, she washes her hands every time before she goes into the room. Of course, we have to do that. But um, afterwards, she makes a ritual of hand, of hand washing as well. I'm cleaning away that. I'm just starting over. It's just her way to release whatever happened in that room. And um, that's it. That's so funny. I found that I would only, I, I had a set of clothes that I would wear only to the emergency room and I'd never wore them anywhere else. That became like my outfit that was like, okay, I go in, I do trauma work, I take them off, I wash them and they get put away for my next time I'm on call because I just felt like that was like where the energy stayed with those <laughs> kind of the same thing, kind of those clothes. It was like, okay, take it off. This is, this is there. They're not, That's and cool. I don't wear those clothes out anywhere only to just do, you know, the work in the ER. So Oh, that's good. Um, there's one chapter in this book. The chapters are really small. It's like one one short story, a prayer, and reflection questions. That's the that's the book, and there are like fifty two of them. That's great. There's one called "Hold Ever So Gently the Beauty and Dignity of the Broken Heart in Front of You." That's our work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's our work. So um, that's that's what uh, that's what this book is about, and um, I'm really glad to share it with you. I'm and so glad. And how can people come find your book? It's on Amazon. It's Seeds of Devotion: Weekly Contemplations on Faith by Roger Butts. Um, it's on Amazon, it's on target.com, it's on Barnes and Noble. Um, you can get it as I'll, a um, I'll be sure to post the link below as well as I put it on my resources tab on my website of, of suggested readings from my podcast guests, as well as just resources for survivors to, uh, to begin their healing journey. And, you know, I'm not saying that um, for trauma, for trauma victims, I don't know that centering prayer where you just sit in silence for 20 minutes is maybe the first thing you go to. Cause that might be too, that might be too much. Um, but eventually, you know, down the road, when you begin to put the pieces back together again, um, sitting in silence is, is a really good way to get in touch with that part of you that is beloved. I'll tell you one more story. Can I tell you one more story? Mm -hmm. Of course. I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you. Um, when I was at Wesley, down the road from you in, in Northwest D.C. at American University, when I was at Wesley Seminary, I, um, I 
got hired as I was finishing up seminary. I got hired by the University of Maryland Medical System um, in Baltimore City to um, be a PRN chaplain, as, as needed chaplain. So I'd work Tuesday nights and I'd work every other weekend. And I had to sleep in the um, I had to sleep in the back of the chapel in this little room that was converted to a sleep room. And it was dark. The chapel was old and it was dark. And um, I'd get called in the middle of the night on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And um, the whole place was dark. The whole place was dark. And I'd leave and you learn to walk in the dark in a different way. You really pay attention. You really slow down. You really become intentional about um, your next step and your next step. And that has been an image for me um, for 20 years now. Um, I think it was 2001 when all of this was happening. Um, and I've never forgotten it. And walking through that dark chapel to get to the hospital um, hallways. And um, when I would come back, you know, you only get called at two o'clock in the morning if something not pleasant is going on. Mm-hmm. And when I would come back, I'd have to do the same thing, walk through this dark chapel slowly, intentionally. And once I got to that small little room where there was a futon, you know, where I could mm-hmm. Um, above the futon was like a shelf with like a Bible and a novel and this little, this little dollar store, you know, uh, plastic praying hands and they would light up in the dark. Right. And Mm -hmm. thought about the fact that those praying hands were the light that guided me to rest and renewal. Those praying hands were what guided me in the middle of that darkness. So my prayer for all of your listeners, for you and for everyone who has gone through difficult times, is that they will find the the light that will guide them to wholeness and well-being. And appreciate the darkness and the slowing down of and and learning how to maneuver through life differently and that you may not know the way out, but the light will come, but that it also forces you to slow down yes. and to think differently from a different place. Yes. About That's, it. Yep. And, and, and you're very aware of your, of every move that you make. Um, and I, and I think that's, that's, that's the work that it is. That's, that's what this is all about. And it's a very beautiful process. Yes. And, and, and as you have experienced are, are the things that we thought were broken about us um, are transformed and become what liberate us, right? You have, you have transformed mm-hmm. yourself into the light. Yes. For the people and for absolutely yourself. and for your Liza Minnelli. Oh yeah. Um, right. And whoever, yep. whoever and or she's, about. she's, you know, I think, and there's a special place I have in my heart for dogs. Cause I feel like they're, they're our light and talk mm-hmm. about unconditional love, right? They know okay. how to love unconditionally, no matter what. And um, they just love you and they're dedicated and they're your little buddies. And so, yes, it's unbelievable. <laughs> 
when we when we were telling our kids about you know we're trying to teach our kids about god's love you know we'd always be like look at sophie that's kind of what god's love is like look at gracie that's kind of what you know our dogs yep. are the closest approximation we have yes there's a final blessing for you okay this is okay. from page 52 after a chapter called the death of the buddha this is your blessing for you okay perfect the readers May life surprise you today. May a sense of grace come out of nowhere in the middle of your daily tasks. May a sense of peace find you in the unlikeliest of places. May a sense of courage and renewal find you. May God's love surround you. And may a gentleness, a returning quietness, and a restoring stillness be with you now and always. A restorative wholeness is yours to claim and embrace. And may faith, hope, and love be your constant companions. God bless your day. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Roger, for coming on my podcast and um, speaking to our listeners. This was a very magical episode. Uh, You created the conditions for it. Well, thank you. you. I appreciate it. You manifested that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And um, I hope you come back. Thank you very much. I'll come back anytime. And um, I'm I'm writing a second book with some co-conspirators. Seeds of Devotion is available on Amazon and elsewhere. But um, I'm writing a second book called Praying the Poets, How to Approach Poetry as a Prayerful Act. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, I'll definitely follow you and um and I love I love poetry. I think that's going to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. You're All welcome. Right. Thank you. Wow, Roger, thank you so much. What a great way to come back from taking a little bit of a break from the podcast. Um just a really magical episode and just spiritual and helping me connect and every one of you connecting. I think it's just something that we all need to hear right now, regardless of your religious beliefs. You can uh, get Roger's book below. I put put the link for Amazon. Um, for those of you new to my podcast, you can come find me on YouTube at The Divine Self or on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and on next week's episode, I have Dr. Brian Russell joining me to continue this journey on spirituality um, and really losing your spirituality through trauma and reconnecting again, but looking at it from a very different lens. As we all know, this is a spiritual journey. Until next time, have a good evening.